Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uncle Mark's Attic. Everyone is always cordially invited to join co-host Zach and me, Uncle Mark, as we explore a variety of interesting topics from the fields of paranormal activities, conspiracy theories, unsolved mysteries and disappearances, and lots more. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at Uncle Mark's Attic. Feel free to reach out and contact us with your questions and suggested topics. We would love to hear from you. So come on into the attic with us now as we go exploring. Find out what mystery we are working on today. Today's episode is about Pegasus spyware. Yes, Pegasus spyware. Uh, here in the attic, <laughs> Zach and I have been doing some reading recently, some online articles we've been checking out, and also uh, watched a few videos about, brief videos, about this Pegasus spyware, and we decided to do some drilling down on this particular subject. We're concerned about this story, and we're concerned that the story itself, the threat that this spyware poses to each of our own personal privacy, may be getting lost in that general news and information explosion that we're all dealing with these days. There's a lot going on. We're all trying to keep up with everything that's going on. So we've seen a few references, a few stories about this Pegasus spyware. So the first question we want to ask all of us, I want to ask this question now is, what exactly is this Pegasus spyware? And Pegasus spyware is a surveillance software that is made by an Israeli-based cybersecurity company. It's called the NSO Group. The NSO Group was founded in 2010, and it's believed to have about 800 employees. The NSO, the NSO group claims that they only license this particular spyware, Pegasus spyware, to government agencies in a number of different countries around the world. According to the NSO website, NSO group licenses its products only to government intelligence and law enforcement agencies for the sole purpose of preventing and investigating terror and serious crimes. It is not supposed to be used to go after activists, journalists, or politicians and people running for political offices. Pegasus is technically commercial spyware. Uh, cyber criminals use malware to basic to basically make money by stealing from their victims. Uh, Pegasus is solely for spying. Uh, this software runs secretly on smartphones, and NSO claims that it provides a valuable service to government intelligence and law enforcement agencies since encryption technology allows criminals and terrorist organizations to go dark. End-to-end uh, -end encryption technology scrambles any messages that you can pose on your phone and then unscrambles them only on the phone of the person receiving your message. So anyone who attempts to intercept your messages in between cannot read them. For example, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Twitter, etc., all use end-to-end -end encryption. It is good for protecting our privacy. However, government intelligence and law enforcement agencies normally don't like end-to-end -end encryption because it does make it harder for them to spy on and track people such as criminals, major drug lords, and terrorists. And for authoritarian governments... It makes it harder for them to spy on and track the dissidents and opponents of those oppressive regimes in those countries around the world. So, along comes the NSO group with their Pegasus spyware, which can be installed secretly and remotely on a smartphone without the surveillance target ever having to open a document or a website link. I find this whole very frightening and that's yeah. one of the reasons i'm so glad we're just going to share this basic information with everyone 
This is pretty powerful stuff. It really is. Once the Pegasus spyware is remotely installed on a smartphone, it gains access to everything. So it will reveal to that NSO customer, that law enforcement agency or intelligence agency, in whatever country it's been purchased in, it will reveal to that customer the uh, uh, using Pegasus, any of your text messages, your emails, photos, videos, your contact list. It can also secretly record your phone calls. It can access all of your past and your present location data. It can secretly turn on your camera and microphones and record you and anyone you happen to be with at the moment. Pegasus spyware can infiltrate Android, BlackBerry, iOS, and Symbian operating systems and literally turn them into real-time surveillance devices. Now, the early versions of Pegasus were installed on smartphones through spear phishing, the, uh, tricking the targeted user into clicking a link or opening a document that would then secretly install the software. It was also installed by using a wireless transceiver that was physically located in close proximity to the intended target. Yeah, so real quick, I just want to say that this is actually pretty pretty scary that they're able to download this software, this spyware, onto your phone without even having to have access to it. Yes. Um, as we just spoke about the early versions of it, it needed to be downloaded through a link, which mm -hmm. is somewhat similar to how scammers these days work. Yep. Uh, they email you a link, oh, I'm a, I'm a prince in so-and-so mm -hmm. country, <laughs> I need you to send me money, yes. yeah. um, or something along those lines, and they use the link that you click, and they're able to get access to your computer, and then they're able to lock you out and have access to all, all the information that you have stored on your computer. So that is really all I wanted to kind of add, add to that, to okay. kind of emphasize how far along this has come since the early early version that's the early version now we're going to explain to some of the yeah, yeah. that it's got it's it's even scarier now so since 2019 a pegasus user uh can install the software on a smartphone with a missed call on whatsapp mm -hmm. and then can delete the record of that missed call so the target and owner of that phone has no idea that this call was even made yep um in yep. 2019 whatsapp actually fired a lawsuit oh filed a lawsuit excuse mm -hmm. me uh, accusing NSO of sending their Pegasus spyware to approximately 1,400 of its users, 100 of which uh, were identified as activists or journalists. And the Pegasus spyware user can also send a message to a targeted user's phone that uh, produces no notification. So with the latest version of the spyware, the smartphone user who is being targeted does not have to do anything in order for the Pegasus user to infiltrate their phone. And that is something that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. They don't need to do anything for this to be installed on their phone, which makes it 10 times scarier than, yes. it, than it was. Um, all that is really needed for a successful pe uh, Pegasus spyware attack and installation is for the targeted user to have a particular vulnerable app or operating system on their device. Pegasus will employ uh, what is called zero-click exploits or attacks that will take advantage of any vulnerabilities in software like Apple Messages or WhatsApp to silently install the software. In 2019, Pegasus exploited software errors or bugs in FaceTime and iMessage. It was then able to install itself on a phone just by placing a call to a targeted device. These zero-click exploits require no real interaction with the targeted user. Just thinking about what we've said so far, you, just, you can understand why we're concerned about this particular spyware, uh, how insidious it is, how yeah. absolutely insidious. And... Um, 
It, it poses a real threat and danger to all of us as far as our own personal privacy is concerned. Because I think just about all of us who are, everyone who's listening right now or watching us on YouTube, I mean, all of us of any generation pretty much are really dependent now on our smartphones, our iPhones, and they carry so much personal information about each one of us. I know that phone I have now, I mean, there's all, all that stuff's on there with the emails yeah. and the text messages, yep. the photos. I don't think there's anything that would be, you know, scandalous for me particularly, but there's <laughs> certainly stuff on there and, and certainly my contact list and all that. I would just like to have some sort of sense of my personal privacy is, yeah. you know, is not going to be violated by somebody anywhere at any time. It's just yeah. important. So we all have this. So that's why we looked at this issue and thought, let's just talk about this. Let's escape from that information explosion we're going through right now, all of us. It's just this big mushrooming cloud of information that hits us every day. When you get up in the morning and you, you look at your phone, I mean, really, you do. You yeah. have, there's so many things we just routinely go on to, whether it's Facebook or WhatsApp or your text messages, your emails, uh, Instagram, you know, all of these yep. things. So uh, anyway, computer experts, and we probably all know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Computer experts always make it clear to us that all software has errors or bugs. And the number of bugs is usually, and no surprise here, the, new, the number of bugs is usually directly proportional to the complexity of the particular software you're talking about. So the more code there is in a particular software, the more bugs that software will potentially have. There are bugs and errors in games, Android apps, window programs, you know, and, and on and on. So when it comes to spyware like Pegasus, the real issue here is security-related bugs. When a bug has the potential to weaken a computer's security, this is a much more serious problem and issue. The big tech companies encourage users to actually tip them off about any security-related bugs that they happen to be able to detect. Google itself actually has a reward systems act. If someone can demonstrate a security weakness in Android, uh, Chrome, or Google Play, that person can actually get paid a cash reward. So how often does this happen? What kind of money are we talking about? Well, in 2020 alone, Google paid out $6.7 million in rewards. Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, they also all have similar type reward plans. The problem here is there are lots of unknown vulnerabilities in the code for Android, iOS, Windows, etc. Some of these are called the zero-day vulnerabilities. These vulnerabilities are known to third parties but they're not known to the software authors themselves who then have zero days to fix it. That's, that's the meaning behind that particular term, that zero-day vulnerability. Yeah, so if you know how to figure out what bugs are wrong with any of these <laughs> things that we listed, get after it. There is money. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is these zero-day vulnerabilities that Pegasus literally thrives on. Uh, the NSO group has teams of researchers and techies who constantly probe and analyze every detail of existing operating systems, uh, looking for any possible weakness. When they discover any weaknesses, they turn them in into ways to literally burrow into a device and bypass it, normal security. Uh, in effect, the Pegasus user gains privileged access to the device and will then have control over the device. The Pegasus user can then install and replace different apps, change settings, and access any data on the phone. To exploit the zero-day bugs, Pegasus needs an attack vector, and these vectors are often links that have been sent in SMS messages or WhatsApp messages. In September 
2021, Apple did fix a security bug or hole that Pegasus had been uh, exploiting in order to install its spyware on iPhones. Yeah, these these companies are all aware of what's going on, and they're and they're extremely concerned about this Pegasus spyware issue. I was just thinking, Zach, as you were reading through that too, um, it's bad enough all the other things we mentioned with you know they can see your photos, your videos, your text messages, you know your emails and all that, but they can actually go in and start fooling around with the apps you have on your own phone. Talk about a total invasion of your privacy and your control over your own device. Like I said, we all just about all of us are dependent on these devices now, and just the thought that some Outside party, some third party without my knowledge can go in there and start screwing around with even the basic, you know, information I have set up as far as my apps are concerned mm-hmm. and all that. It's a, it's really a pervasive and insidious uh, invention and spyware. It really is. It's, this is no uh, primitive type of spyware or a primitive surveillance yeah. uh, a device and issue. It's really a very serious matter here, and it's it's incredible how more sophisticated it's become since it first started coming out a few years back. So now that we have a basic or general understanding of what Pegasus spyware is and what its incredible and rather scary capabilities are, what do we know regarding what countries are actually clients of Pegasus? Has it been used solely for tracking criminals and terrorist group? Now the NSO group itself, as we said, based in Israel, uh, says that its client list includes at least over 40 different countries around the world. But everyone here, our fellow Americans, not to worry. The NSO group also says that it vets the human rights record of any potential client, and it does acknowledge that its Pegasus spyware can be misused. And here we go, our fellow Americans. The NSO group swears that their Pegasus spyware, quote, cannot be used to conduct cyber, cyber surveillance within the United States, and no foreign customer has ever, ever been granted technology that would enable them to access phones with United States phone numbers. How reassuring that is. <laughs> I am so reassured. FYI, everybody, my Sheldon Cooper here. Uh, FYI, that was sarcasm. <laughs> I am far from being reassured with those so-called reassuring words from the uh, NSO group there. And... Uh, there were words about this Pegasus spyware. Sorry, guys. I'm having real trouble buying into this. So a good question is, has the NSO group tried to sell their Pegasus spyware here in the United States? And the answer is, surprisingly, or mm. not surprisingly, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the United States, the NSO group's North American branch is Westbridge Technologies. And in July of 2021, the Washington Post and other news organizations reported that NSO has spent millions of dollars trying to get into the U.S. market since 2014. The NSO group hired big-name consultants, lawyers, lobbyists, and public relations uh, firm in Washington, D.C. to help soften and clear up their public image and to push Pegasus as a valuable weapon that can be used against drug lords, human traffickers, and terrorists. They have actually hired former chiefs of Homeland Security and the Justice Department, and other hired consultants include former officials from the Obama, Trump, and Biden administrations. The NSO group has tried to push their Pegasus spyware to police departments in America. Uh, They have sent their brochures, which advise law enforcement officials that they can turn smartphones into, quote, an intelligence goldmine, end quote. Um, they made 
con- uh, concerted efforts to sell Pegasus to police departments of San Diego and Los Angeles, but the high cost of the spyware proved to be a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. According to the motherboard uh, tech site, emails that were obtained from Freedom of Information Act requests show that NSO attempted to get the Drug Enforcement Agency to purchase Pegasus, but the DEA eventually turned down the offer due to the high cost of the spyware. And we will talk about uh, more about the NSO's group effort to uh, sell their spyware here in the United States to intelligence agencies a little later on in this podcast. Yeah, if there's nothing else that we can share with everyone repeatedly here in Uncle Mark's attic, it is that old expressions act, follow the money trail. There is big money that has been involved and has been spent here in the United States trying to influence the sale and the successful sale and distribution of this Pegasus spyware to different agencies, whether they be agencies of the federal government or even, even police departments. But when we were going through some of the public records that Zach and I went through and uh, news articles or public information that we were able to look at and see, you're seeing, I didn't want to go into actual personal names of some of these people, but there were an awful lot of names that I was familiar with, certainly, and uh, uh, boy, everyone is lining up at the trough for the money. The money is out there. They were spending big bucks, big bucks on these Washington, D.C., lobbyists and public relation firms, as you said, and lawyers, big, big firms, big high-dollar firms, uh, law firms in Washington, D.C., all in their blitz, in their push to try to get a better image and reputation for this Pegasus spyware, trying to make it not so scary sounding, trying to make it more you know, palatable to people in general, and certainly trying to use these influential people in Washington to influence uh, not only people in Washington, such as congressmen and all that, but also business executives and then law enforcement chiefs in individual police departments or any kind of law enforcement agencies around the country. So follow the money. Follow the money. It's not just an old cliche or expression. It's really true. This is a perfect example of it. Here it is in our system. It's the way it goes. And and you all know this from listening to the news over the last so many years. You're hearing terms about the swamp or the deep state or things like this. I'm old enough... uh, just remember, not that I, I was still a young boy at this time, but I can still remember uh, at the end of his term as president of the United States, President uh, Dwight Eisenhower, he was elected in 1952, and then he was leaving office in 1961, January of 61, when John Kennedy was going to be sworn in as the next president. Now, I was a young boy then, but in the history book, certainly, that I studied when I was in high school, you know, it was uh, certainly pointed out to us over and over and over again that President Eisenhower warned the country before he left the White House about what he referred to as the military-industrial complex. It was a very clear warning coming from not just the president, but the man who had been, you know, the commander of the Allied forces in the European theater during World War II. So he's certainly, you know, West Point graduate. So he had been General Eisenhower. He certainly had military experience long before he got involved in politics and became president. But I've always thought that that was an incredibly honest and truthful admission from him to warn the country about what he saw as this growing threat to the people of the United States from this 
growing movement that he labeled at that time the the military industrial complex and i just can't help but think about that when i'm listening to all that reading through again all that you and i have been putting together in our research on this that here we go again there's money follow that money trail because that's what it's all about whether it's the military industrial complex or what's what's going on now however you want to refer to it as a swamp or deep state or whatever but it's a real problem and it's there now and as we speak, I'm sure there's more money being spent right yeah. now in efforts to influence the market here in the United States for this Pegasus spyware. And if you're going to try to influence the market for the United States, then you go to Washington, D.C. That's where the political power is centered, and that's where the money gets spent trying to do this kind of influencing and marketing. So in the course of our research, Zach and I came across an organization called Forbidden Stories. And Forbidden Stories is really just a network of journalists, reporters, whose stated mission, if you look at, uh, go online and read about their uh, organization, their stated mission is to protect and pursue and publish the work of other journalists. And these would be journalists who have found themselves in danger of being imprisoned or even murdered as a result of the investigative stories that they are working on. So these could be journalists working in other countries where there are uh, dictatorships or oppressive regimes. So if a journalist in his or her own country is investigating a particular story and this would be a story usually that would be involving some sort of scandal, something that's going to negatively reflect upon the existing regime that's in power. If they're uh, you know, investigating this story and they find themselves threatened as a result of their investigative work, they can drop that sensitive information they've been gathering into an actual secure communication channel. And this will help keep the story alive and possibly allow other journalists from other nations, outside of where that particular journalist is, is working and living, uh, to assist them. So this Forbidden Stories has about, as far as we can tell, about 60 news organizations and somewhere in the area of a little bit more than 150 different journalists from about 49 different countries around the world that belong to it. And the network itself is actually based in France right now. Now this Forbidden Stories network of journalists coordinated an operation called the Pegasus Project. And this project was a collaboration by journalists from 17 different media organizations from, den- from 10 different countries. The Pegasus Project has uncovered how governments around the world are using the NSO Group's Pegasus spyware for what is clearly illegal surveillance of political figures, uh, political opponents of the regimes, human rights activists, journalists themselves, and even religious leaders, and sometimes even business leaders within those countries. Now, both the Pegasus Project hooked up then with Amnesty International, have reported that such illegal surveillance activities have already been documented by them in Mexico, India, Saudi Arabia, and Hungary. And in December of 2021, just seven months ago, Pegasus was found on the phones of nine American State Department officials who were actually working in Africa and the nation of Uganda. And in May of this year, May 2022, Pegasus spyware was found on the phones of both politicians and activists who were involved in the independence movement in what's called the Catalonia region of Spain. Per the CNET site, uh, during this month of July, the uh, Kaiser Lab, yes, mm-hmm. uh, a Canadian security operation at the University of Toronto reported that the phones of at least 30 activists in Thailand were found to be infected with Pegasus spyware. Apple actually discovered this and warned the users with the infected phones. Uh, Apple has built a new lockdown mode into iOS 16 
It's iPhone software update uh, that is due to arrive later this year. This lockdown mode is meant to thwart such attacks. In response to all of these reports about the misuse of Pegasus spyware in other countries, in November 2021, the United States federal government blocked the sale of American technology to the NSO group by putting the company on the entity list. Right. Um, the U.S. Commerce Department publicly advised that NSO had supplied their Pegasus spyware to foreign governments uh, that used it maliciously to target embassy workers as well as activists, academics, um, journalists, and even business persons. Uh, by placing the NSO group on this list, this should stop the sale of the computer processors, phones, and various developer tools from American companies to the company. And I just want to double check if I can with Luke, our podcast director there behind the scenes. Luke, we were just talking about this, that Apple uh, software update that's coming, that iOS 16. I believe that's supposed to be out in the fall. It's going to be in the fall, right? Yeah, we were just talking about this. Uh, so, you know, when we were first doing our research, it said later this year, but it should be within the next couple of months, just for anybody who might be listening and is an Apple phone user. Yeah, I, I know my phone's always got updates, so I, yeah. I don't even really keep up with so it. it just automatically they're updated. fully aware of this and that update is coming which should help to secure those apple phones a little bit more now following up on what zach was just talking about yeah yes they've put the nso group on the entity list which is a list of you know no american companies yeah. are permitted to do any kind of business especially with these computer processors phones and and the different tools that a company like nso would need now however here comes the however. In January of this year, the New York Times and other agencies, we don't like to just sort or, or cite just one source, you know, there were other agencies involved in this reporting, and they reported that both the FBI and the CIA were customers of the NSO group and its Pegasus spyware. Now, an email response from the FBI when this story f was first reported an email response from the FBI did confirm that the FBI had obtained Pegasus spyware. The email specified that they had obtained, which means they had to pay, and it's millions of dollars normally, even for a short-term use of this Pegasus spyware, in order to, quote, stay abreast of emerging technologies and tradecraft. This written statement, this email, insisted that the purchase of the spyware, was, which was procured, Back in 2019, we only just found out about this in January of this year, but uh, it was procured actually by the FBI in 2019. It was done solely for the purpose of product testing and evaluation only. There was no, quote, no operational use of Pegasus. Feeling reassured, Zach? <laughs> FYI, that was sarcasm once again, because I'm not feeling very reassured of this. And if I can, I just want to share with everybody the actual wording from that FBI email, because I just found it so interesting. Just to give you an actual quote, a long quote here, from that email that the FBI put out in response to the story that basically alerted all of us to the fact that, hey, did you know our own FBI actually had made a purchase here from NSO Group? The FBI said, and I quote, we routinely identify, evaluate, and test technical solutions and problems for a variety of reasons, including possible operational and security concerns they might pose in the wrong hands. There was no operational use in support of any investigation. The FBI procured a limited license for this product for product testing and evaluation only. I only wish I could be, you know, Trust, trusting and, and just accept that at face value, but I'm so sorry. I, 
after all that's happened over the last so many years, it's just, you know, once again, I find myself plagued with doubts and worries and concerns about, am I being told the truth? Are you being told the truth? All of us who use these phones every day of our lives, that we depend on these phones, don't we? And I just don't know. Now, this FBI purchase of Pegasine spyware, like I just said, is very concerning to all of us because in 2021, last year, a ruling by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, and we'll go into this in a minute, what that is, but the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court against the FBI was actually made public. That was last year. In this ruling, it was revealed that between mid-2019 and early 2021, FBI personnel had searched Americans' emails and other communications act without proper justification. And this was at least the third time that such unjustified searches by the FBI had been uncovered and revealed by this Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court over the past several years. The ruling stated that the FBI, and this is a quote now, continuously dove through data that contained Americans' emails and other communications as they searched for information without any proper justification. That's why I don't like being cynical and I don't like being a doubting Thomas. I don't like to be you know, full of, of nervousness. And, 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 and I certainly don't mean to be sarcastic, but this is the type of thing, these type of stories, this type of information that gets revealed to us, it just keeps piling up on us, certainly piles up on me and just makes me that much more concerned, that much more cynical sometimes when I read, you know, denials and statements like that, like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Nobody used this for any kind of operational purpose. And well, first off, we didn't find out about it almost two years after they procured it. I just, I don't mean to be overly cynical, but I'm just concerned. I, I don't know how much of what I'm being told and what you're being told, what all of us are being told is truthful and how much of it is kind of, I'll be polite here, fluff, you know? <laughs> uh, certainly misleading or incomplete information and admissions. So, I'll just leave that with everybody there. Everyone has to make up their own mind about that. I myself, as Zach and I was, were doing this research on the Pegasus Spyware, as we were putting together this information, we spend a lot of time researching. We go through a lot of sources. We do a lot of back and forth. We really work on putting together what it is we want to share on these podcast conversations with everyone. And I'm sorry, but the more I was reading about the FBI's involvement in this, you know, about this, and we'll go a little bit more detail about this court in a second, but, you know, the fact that this court three times has had to cite them for yeah. violating Americans' privacy, for going into Americans' emails and all that without the proper legal justification for that, it just, it all snowballs after a while, and it makes me that much more cynical and that much more concerned. So one specific example that was cited uh, showed that one FBI specialist doing background investigations made 124 queries of raw section uh, 702 data on volunteers who had asked to participate in the FBI's Citizens Academy. This specialist also did the same thing on some people who had reported that they were victims of crime and had even gone through raw section 702 data uh, on people who were coming to the FBI field office to perform repairs. Now, Let's explain what this Section 702 reference is all about. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act allows the U.S. government to collect emails and phone records of foreigners outside of the United States without obtaining a warrant. There are a set of 
internal rules and procedures to protect the privacy and civil civil liberties of American citizens. Uh, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act does not allow the government to target the communications of any American citizen, period. And if I can stop right there, I just want to say something. You mentioned how there were all these queries, 124 queries, uh, by just one FBI specialist uh, that was uh, violating the internal procedures under Section 702 of this Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And we're going to go into that next to explain what that is. We're kind of trying to get all these terms out and explain to everybody. But, you know, you were mentioning, Zach, that they actually had done some of these improper queries on background checks and uh, these people who had applied to uh, participate in the FBI's, quote-unquote, the Citizens Academy. What that is, the Citizens Academy at the FBI runs, that's really just a special program that's offered to different uh, community organizations, civic groups, sometimes church groups, um, different American organizations here in our country, usually average people, and it runs for like a six to eight week period. And what it does is it, gives, it runs some classes for them, showing them how things operate in the FBI, how th- you know, what, the, what are the procedures, what, what, are, what all goes into the work that the FBI is doing. So here you are, you're actually violating the internal procedures and the rules and regulations about looking into Americans, you know, personal communications, all that, on some of the very people that have applied to go to your Citizens Academy, which is supposed to be this encouragement for civic organizations and community organizations that you're running in order to show them how you operate and what it is that you do and how that has an impact on their communities, on their churches, on their organizations, wherever they happen to be located throughout the United States. So I just thought, boy, that, that's, that's really low. I mean, that's just awful that you would do that to yeah. people who actually think enough of you and trust you enough and respect you enough that they want to come to this special program, this, the FBI Citizens Academy, so they can learn more about what you do and how you're helping and, and being beneficial in, in our own community. So anyway, I just had to go off on that because it just bothered me. And I did know what that Citizens Academy was. That I was familiar with. So, okay, Zach was just going through quite a bit of information to you, with you about that Section 702 of the Foreign... Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. So let's just step back one second. So what is this Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act that we're talking about that has this 702 section within it that specifies all sorts of things about what can and cannot be done by our government agencies as far as spying? So the, the actual Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was enacted by the United States Congress all the way back in 1978, signed into law by then-President Jimmy Carter. Now, this act had been uh, written, and it was worked on very hard in order for them to put this together by the, by the congressional committees. It was a direct response to the discovery by a number of different congressional committees at that time of abuses that had been committed against American citizens' privacy rights by different agencies of the government. So this Foreign Surveillance Intelligence Act spelled out what was permitted for the electronic surveillance of the activities of foreign powers and agents of foreign powers while they were in the United States. Now, after the attack on our country in 9-11, back in 2001, uh, this FISA, F-I-S-A, or Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, has been used to monitor the activities of terrorist organizations overseas with the goal of preventing or thwarting any planned terrorist attacks against our country. Section 702 specifies that this FISA, this Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, cannot be used to target a person outside of the United States if the purpose of such targeting 
is to acquire information from a person who is inside the United States. So it's really focusing more on foreign nations, operatives of foreign nations. It's not in any way involving American citizens, and it's not supposed to, there's not supposed to be this internal surveillance and spying of American citizens, but as we've seen, there's been violations already that have been committed prior to Pegasus spyware being on the scene. So that's what's concerning me now. In January of 2022, uh, the Inspector General of National Security Agency uh, publicly revealed that its own investigation of the NSA showed that the NSA had failed to follow the FISA court-approved procedures and their own internal procedures, which are designed to prevent officials from using the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, Section 702, to legally, illegally, illegally sorry, yeah, <laughs> monitor American citizens' communications. Uh, a reason for mentioning all of this about FISA and the Section 702 of FISA is to show the agencies such as the FBI and the NSA have already shown a tendency to ignore or circumvent the internal procedures and regulations to set up under this act to protect the privacy rights of American citizens. We cannot help but be concerned about uh, what would happen if these these and other agencies uh, purchase the Pegasus spyware and have the potential to turn American smartphones into virtual surveillance devices, giving them total access to all the personal information on our phones and giving some agent or analyst the ability to use the cameras and microphones to literally spy on us. Right. And I'm sorry, I mentioned a minute uh, ago, Zach, about this. You heard about the the court that was being mentioned, the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Survey Act court. That's the court that was set up along with this FISA act that was passed by Congress. That court is what, that's who's monitoring this. That's who's trying to make sure that everything's being followed. That's who particular agencies would be going to when they do want to seek uh, a warrant or whatever for, for surveillance of somebody. So that's the court that's trying to, be, that's the overseer of what's going on what is and what isn't permitted under that Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. So that's what that court was that we were mentioning, and that's the court that cited the FBI at least three times prior to that, that yeah. citing we talked, but at least three times about, look, you guys, someone, that doesn't mean the whole agency, I'm not talking about every single agent, every single analyst is violating, but that's their job is to do these internal audits, that's what this was, and when they find something, they do issue the report, and the report will document what it is that they found, where was the violation occurring. So it's a little frustrating because they're trying to do their job as the court overseeing this whole operation and protecting the privacy rights and the constitutional rights of American citizens. So it bothers me when I hear about, you know, yes, there's, there's this violation, then there was another sighting, then there was another sighting, then there's another It just bothers me. And certainly the same thing with the National Security Agency because as soon as I hear about the NSA, the National Security Agency, and the information you were just talking about, how... You know, the, um, uh, there was the investigation of them that showed mm -hmm. that they also were failing to follow the uh, FISA court-approved uh, procedures and internal procedures and regulations, you know, that were supposed to be helping them stay within the boundaries that are uh, permitted and set by this act. It just scares me because then I immediately start thinking about back some years ago to Edward Snowden, and we can all have our opinion about Edward Snowden back some years ago when yep. he... Uh, but and we're entitled to our own opinion about that and whether what he did was right or wrong the way he did it. But it, regardless of what we think about him personally, the bottom line was we found out that here the National S uh, Security Agency was, you know, engaging in bulk collection of American emails and uh, private, you know, our own communications uh, in violation 
of what they were supposed to be doing under the law. And, uh, you know, that as he pointed out, you know, are you aware? I mean, they often hire subcontractors. This is very common with the federal government. So some of these people that are having access to your private communications and your emails, as we found out after the whole Snowden revelation story broke, uh, you know, they're not even government employees. Yeah. These are subcontractor employees. So human nature is human nature. That's all we need. The more people that, that get their hands on these type of things can have their own personal reasons for starting to look into somebody's personal communications, violating once again our privacy. So it's a very, to me, it, this is not, you know, an unimportant topic. This isn't something that we just thought up on the, you know, off the top of our heads here at the, you know, at the spur of the moment here. This, this concerns us very much because it seems to be one more thing now we have to be very much aware of and concerned about on top of all these other things that have been happening over the last so many years that impact on our privacy, our personal privacy and our constitutional rights. Now, on top of all these concerns that Zach and I have already been going through with you, we also want to point out the accusations of a former vice president of a company called the Mobilium Company. Now, Mobilium is an American company that provides security services to cell companies. And an individual named Gary Miller, who is known as a mobile phone, mobile phone security expert, was actually the vice president of this Mobilium company and claims that during a conference call with the top members, top uh, officials of the NSO group back in August of 2017, NSO expressed their desire to learn more about this Mobilium company's access to hundreds of mobile networks all around the world. The NSO reps explained to everyone on this conference call how gaining such access would, quote, enhance the capabilities of their surveillance spyware, that is, Pegasus. NSO was interested in gaining access to cellular networks throughout the United States as well. NSO was specifically interested in gaining access to what is known as the SS7 network. This network assists mobile companies with users all around the world. So NSO wanted this access in order to provide their customers, these law enforcement agencies and intelligence agencies in all these countries around the world, with the ability to tap into mobile phones. Now, according to Mr. Miller, the NSO reps advised that they would drop off, and this is a quote, bags of cash to Mobilium in exchange for their arranging this access. We do want to note here, Zach, that as of this time and as of this day as we're taping this podcast, the chief executive of Mobilium has denied, uh, has denied all of this. Claims that this never happened, but Mr. Miller is sticking to his guns and going ahead with this. Mr. Miller even pointed out that at one point after this happened, he himself personally contacted the FBI, but they showed no interest in pursuing this uh, particular uh, story and report that he uh, provided them with. What a surprise, FYI, that is... Sarcasm. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, with all of this that we've just talked about, what can all of us do right now in order to possibly protect ourselves about this Pegasus spyware? Well, some cybersecurity experts have jokingly suggested that the best way to avoid having your smartphone, your iPhone, turned into a spying device that can be used against you, yourself, is to get rid of your phone. <laughs> but as we all know, they are joking when they say this, but that is the most obvious suggestion they give. That's not going to work for any of us. Unfortunately, we are dependent on these phones. So 
There are some experts who do suggest leaving your phone behind when you do have to attend sensitive meetings and disabling the camera on your phone so it cannot be used against you. Again, most of us normally keep our phones on us with with us at all times. Um, yeah. And we do want our cameras working. So the number one recommendation for all of us is to always install any updates right away. Also, we should just make an, it an ironclad habit to never click on any link that someone sends to us unless we are 100% certain that the link is genuine and safe. Yeah. Uh, also, the Amnesty International uh, Security Lab has developed the mobile verification toolkit that was completed in July of 2021. It is a uh, it is really a forensic research tool and designed to be used by technologists and investigators. Yeah, they they think that for the most part, when we were reading through, it's 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 looks like a great uh, toolkit. It looks like a great idea. Just me, you know, I'm I'm not a techie exactly, but just from reading, uh, doing some. Uh, deep reading on that whole subject. They've really worked hard on this. Amnesty International is very much in the forefront now about this whole spyware issue and the Pegasus spyware issue in particular. And so they really worked on developing this thing. But when you read what, you know, when they're, if you go on their website and you go into that section about this, I mean, they make it pretty clear that it's, it's not going to be the easiest thing for an average phone user, cell phone user to, uh, to really work with. You'd rather have somebody who's one of these techies or, you know, actual, technologist or investigator that would it would probably be more beneficial to have them assist you with this type of thing trying to use this particular toolkit but it's a great thing and we just want to share that with everybody just so that you know i mean you know we do have to keep up with these updates and there are there are tools being worked on by by the companies the companies are working on closing any of these problems these security you know bugs and, and loopholes that are out there finally uh, for all of us we just want to keep a few things in mind this Pegasus spyware that we've been talking about, this is just one of a number of commercial spywares that are actually out there in our world right now. But it is the big boy on the block. This is the most pervasive and insidious one of all. This is, this is the big one now. Uh, the commercial spyware industry, Zach, is estimated to be worth, as you and I found out in our investigative research, currently the estimate is that that commercial spyware industry is worth about $12 billion right now. So we're talking once again, follow the money. This is a big money maker. And Pegasus and these other spywares, uh, they're not going to just go away. There are currently activists and even some political office holders right now who are pushing for the outlawing of spywares. But our opinion, look, that's, it's just, it's never really going to happen. Even if you do enact some kind of law, it, it's, it's just like the FISA law. They're going to, they're going to find a way around this. So the spyware is here to stay. And that's why we really wanted to focus on this particular spyware tonight and just give everybody some little bit of detailed information to help you, you know, as you try to <laughs> wend your way through all of that information explosion that's going on out there. We have to remember that some of the technology that the NSO group is uh, competing with these days actually comes from Russia and China. In fact, the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace says that China is currently supplying surveillance tools to at least 63 countries. And we do know that the National Security Agency, or the NSA, Mm -hmm. and the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, Mm -hmm. have developed their own surveillance technology. So, in the end... It really is up to us to do our best to stay aware of what is going on in the world of surveillance spyware, uh, to tell our elected officials that we insist on the maximum efforts to provide all possible protections for our personal privacy, and to take those basics per- basic precautions, like always, uh, installing any updates on our sm- smartphones immediately. 
So here in Uncle Mark's attic, uh, Zach and I, we're going to keep monitoring what's going on regarding this Pegasus spyware and spyware in general, and then we'll pass on any new or updated information to everyone who joins us for our podcast conversations in the future. We're just going to, we're going to try and stay on top of this one because it's going to be ongoing. Like we said, it's not going to go away. We just want to see if anything new comes on that we think would be important and interesting for everyone to hear. And we're going to make sure we pass that on again. Like we said, it might get lost in the information explosion of all the stuff that comes out and hits us every single day. So here in the attic, we're making that promise to ourselves and to you. We want to try to stay on top of this and let you know if there's any new developments that we come upon, anything new about, you know, that uh, whole story about mobilium and whether or not NSO really was, you know, offering bags of cash to get that uh, information here in the United States, which was very concerning to me. And for example, one of the things we want to mention right now as we wrap up this podcast is that there have been some recent news reports, not a whole lot of detail that we can share with you on this, but there have been some what seem to be legitimate news reports that there is an American military contractor, the L3 Harris Company, which is headquartered in Rochester, New York. And these Brief reports have been indicating that they have been engaged in some sort of talks regarding actual purchasing that NSO group that is currently located in Israel. And the news reports that go around about the NSO group, I just want to mention, they almost always uh, indicate that there are very strong links, connections, ties with the Israeli government and these NSO group and that, and that NSO group that's located in Israel. Many of the people that were involved in the founding of the NSO group were like, for example, former uh, Israeli Mossad agency, spy agency, you know, employees and all that. So that's, that's the word that's always out there in those, uh, in, in those news reports that we see, but we are going to keep watching about this because we are, I'm, particularly I'm very concerned about, is this true that an American military contracting company is actually possibly going to buy the NSO group, which is the owner, the developer, the originator of the Pegasus spyware? I think that's something all of us Americans need to uh, stay on top of and keep abreast of this story. So Zach and I will keep watching. If there's anything we can pass on on future podcasts, you know, at the beginning of some podcasts, we might pass on a news update or something that we're trying to find out about uh, because it's, it's a pretty concerning subject and... I think every one of us has the right to the privacies that we're supposed to enjoy, the privacy that we're supposed to have under our constitutional rights, under the United States Constitution. So this is an important issue, and that's why Zach and I decided to do this. We'll keep on watching, and we'll keep everybody updated on anything else that we find out about this Pegasus spyware and spyware in general, in case yeah. there's anything else we hear. I can guarantee you the Chinese are going to push full speed ahead with whatever they're doing right now. Uh, about the you know mm -hmm. commercial spyware because as you may know uh, the leaders of China have made it very clear repeatedly and publicly without any hesitation that they have very set plans to be the number one superpower in the world by certainly 2049 so for you younger people who are listening or watching us right now on YouTube uh, you know I don't know if I'll be around then but you're going to be around so I'm very concerned about that because the Chinese seem to be getting their tentacles are this gigantic octopus. They seem to be involved in everything and they're getting more and more involved in more and more countries around the world. And so, yes, they're working on their own spyware programs as well. So I'm going to keep seeing what we can find out about that particular issue as well. And I think that pretty much wraps up, I think, what we want to say here, Zach. Yeah, I just want to give one quick, brief, final thought. Um, I believe this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the whole 
um, like Facebook, Instagram, and stuff, selling your information to other places. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I were to grab my phone right now, and I don't know, I never really play horseshoes, and I was like, oh, I really want to play horseshoes. I, I Horseshoes. Horseshoes. I want to play horseshoes. <laughs> yes. Mark, let's go play horseshoes. <laughs> Maybe later I will get ads about horseshoes. So um, <laughs> I think this true. goes hand in hand with that. And um, like they say, I think the expression is big brother is always watching, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So yes. Um, they're, they're, they're very tight-knit with what we got going on on our phones. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the spyware or not, they kind of already know what we're up to. Um, it is scary, though, the advancements that they're making. And um, like we said, uh, the best way to kind of protect yourselves is to just keep your phones updated and and just kind of keep an eye out for anything that is weird. Don't click on any links or anything like that. Um, I do want to say is probably after we post this, uh, we will be, be we will be having this used on us. <laughs> yes. So they'll be keeping yeah. an eye on us. After we may we, become after targets. We yeah. Yes, we so, may become targets. But that's now. all I really have to say about this topic. It's it's a very interesting topic, and um, I think that it's something that everybody can relate to because we all have phones, and right. you know what I mean. We all use them every single day of our lives, and they're an important part of our life. So absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is important information to get out to everybody and uh, just let them know kind of certain things that are going on. Yeah, and we hope you've enjoyed this. We really did think it was important. And this Pegasus spyware issue, it does fall into the general category of the kind of things that we do want to talk about here in the attic because there is some mystery involved in all of this. We have this this new story now about this L3 Harris company, if they're really going to go you know, purchasing this company. And just the, uh, the insidious nature of that spyware, I mean, it certainly fits in with the type of things that we... You know, we cover a whole wide range of, of topics, but that's another reason why we really thought about this is something important to talk about. And uh, I would have wanted to talk about it even if it didn't yeah. fall into the general areas of, you know, we like to talk about unsolved mysteries and things like that and disappearances as, as one of the topic areas we cover. And this is certainly uh, this is certainly an unsolved mystery as far as I'm concerned, because I don't know how extensive it is. I don't know how extensively it's being used in the United States right now as we speak. I really don't, despite their assurances and despite, you know, the FBI telling me they're only using it in a very limited fashion and, and now they're not touching it anymore. I don't know. I just have too many doubts at this point in my life. And uh, as you notice, one of the things we like about this podcast is the intergenerational aspect of it. Zach is generation Z. Is that your generation? Uh, I, I don't know. From when you were born. Yeah, and I'm the baby boomer, definitely baby boomer with me <laughs> in the mid 1950s. It, it involves and affects yeah. all of us. So, I mean, younger or older, that was my point there. I think you're, gen I think it's Z. <laughs> If I look it up again, but uh, based on when you were born. Yeah. But anyway, there's certainly a big generational gap yeah. here, but that doesn't matter. When in an issue like this, it involves all of us. It affects all of us. It's a threat to the privacy and rights of all of us. So we're glad that we uh, had a chance to actually share all this information. We spent a lot of time preparing this one, really looking in. We do that with every one of our, our podcasts, but this one we really were going a hog wild on this because we're very concerned about you know just how dangerous this Pegasus spyware really is. And we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something and you were able to benefit from joining in on our podcast conversation. And I sure hope if you like us and you're watching us on YouTube, you'll subscribe. We want to get our numbers up a bit here and get an idea about the size of our audience yeah. and how we're, you know, how we're succeeding. Are we, are we, you know, there's <laughs> hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there and we're trying very hard on our own with our own, uh, operation here that we're financing all by ourselves we're trying to become more and more effective and get get the word out to more and more people so 
If you haven't already, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. And we do hope to see you back here again in Uncle Mark's Attic next time.